Hello and welcome to episode 16 of The Brand Lounge, a place for unfiltered conversations with big topics with small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. I help service-based businesses to define their brand and achieve their version of success. And today I am over the moon to welcome back Siobhan Fox. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, Siobhan is a marketing strategist and mentor over at Reveal Marketing, and she was the first ever guest here on The Brand Lamp. So I'm very, very excited to welcome her back for a whole new conversation today. Today, we are going to be talking about names and what do you call yourself within your business? Now, this is something that's cropped up a few times in recent conversations, and I'm really interested to discuss this in this episode. And Siobhan and I have talked about this kind of outside and away from the podcast and decided it would be a really good topic for this episode and how our businesses have developed and changed with the names that we have chosen over time. Cool. So listeners, for a little bit of behind the scenes, you may have heard in my intro that it was slightly different to the previous episodes. And that's because over the last couple of months, but more dramatically in this month, my business Shadowcat Creative has been going through a bit of an evolution. And Siobhan has been a beautiful daily sounding board for me and feedback through Uh, WhatsApp voice notes. Um, And we've been kind of chatting through our thought processes around how to name our businesses, what I wanted to refer to myself as and how to best come across. So as this is something that generally people do and individuals do throughout their business journey, it feels like it's going to be a nice juicy conversation. I do want to just caveat to say that I know that we don't need labels, but I do feel that it is important that you're able to articulate what you do and who you do it for in a clear way. And it really helps with your messaging, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Just a bit. Um, Cool. So I will be quiet in a moment and we'll get into the conversation, but that groundwork I feel is important to add a bit of context to this conversation. And there are three key stages of the naming process within the business that Siobhan and I are going to discuss today. And we're both going to share how we've developed along the way in our businesses too. So we're going to be talking about what type of business you are, what do you refer to yourself and your audience as, and then what do you specifically call yourself? So let's kick it off what type of business do we refer to ourselves as? So this is more key, I believe, at the stage when you're choosing to leave employment. Would you say that that was fair? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, because it defines how you set everything up, right? It defines what you put in your um, meta tags in your website, what you categorize yourself as when you set up your social media, your Google My Business. You've got to pick something. And I remember being like, am I a marketing consultancy? I'm a, am I a marketing agency? Um, yeah, it it's a difficult one. And I think you just have to pick something that's vaguely closest to what you are at the time and then know that you'll probably come back to it later on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that also within this kind of area of business, it's where we can define whether we want to call ourselves do we want to be a business owner? Do we want to be a freelancer or do we want to be a uh, contractor? Because when I was leaving my employment, it never occurred to me that I was actually going to own a business. It was always, I'm doing some freelance work and doing Mm. freelance work on the side. So therefore I am a freelancer. And that was the kind of experience that I had had within the corporate world because I used to help Um, choose and hire freelancers and contractors to support our in-house studio. Um, And I know that when you were in the corporate world, I'm sure that you would have had a similar experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really hard. I think it depends on like what your mindset is when you come out of corporate. Is it a choice that you actively made? Is it that you got made redundant? Um, is it for another reason, like you want a different lifestyle? Is it because you've seen someone else do it and you think, oh, I'd like to do that? And I think it also depends what industry you're in. Yeah. I think uh, contractors are more common in um, like IT and software. Yeah, and project management, those kind of yeah. things. Um, but I think freelance is sometimes attached to more creative. Yeah, um, like copywriters and designers. Yeah. 
I I remember when I was last agency side I was an account director and we had a lot of freelance creative types who had freelance project managers but being a freelance account manager just wasn't a thing because it's all to do with developing a long-term relationship it's not project-based so I could never conceive of how I could turn my skills into something that would be freelanceable but I think it really depends on yeah what industry you're in what mindset you're in Um, and your reasons for going it alone I think sometimes if you've really had some sort of kick from the universe um, or you've been made redundant the thought of being a business owner is well I found it terrifying I was like that's not me I'm just just gonna freelance for a bit (laughs) yeah I think that you hit on something that's kind of key there for me as well which was um, I never realized that I had actually attached certain time expectations to those different titles so Mm. for me a freelancer was short term it was like short-term projects that you were going into a business because that was the experience I had of hiring freelancers they were like overflow support so it was a short-term fix for a business Mm -hmm. Um, and then contractors were more project-based so you'd have a contract that would last maybe three months six months to a year Whereas a business owner is the big scary one where you're like, no, I am declaring to myself, everyone and the universe that actually I'm going this alone and I'm the one that's going to be kind of taking charge of that. Yeah. And I think that for myself, I mean, I've spoken about this a few times and I'm sure that I will again, it never occurred to me that I could be a business owner. It just wasn't something that had kind of entered my like field of future. Mm-hmm. So doing freelance work on the side made sense. That was a logical step for me when I was in the position of, hey, I want to earn some more money. I have the skill sets to do it. So I will freelance. And I have my business for maybe a year and a half before I realized that actually this is what I have. It's a business. Yeah. And I think that also comes down to the the journey that you tend to go on which is a, a strange dichotomy of separation from and incorporation into self. So like I, I never wanted to be um, Siobhan Fox Consulting. Like for me, I always wanted a business name, although I was very much of a freelancer mindset when I started out. Um, I always wanted it to be something separate. I recognised that that would probably become important. And maybe somewhere in there, I knew that I I would end up having bigger plans for it. Um, but the strange dichotomy of that is whilst you separate your business to become a thing, it it only really works when you look at the whole picture together. Like you design a business that fits with your life and you lean on who you are to inform your brand it's a strange yeah it's a strange journey to go on but I definitely think that um I do think separating it out into a different entity when you start out is valuable because even if you don't feel like you want to scale at that point it will never stop you from scaling if you've given your business even if you don't feel like you've got a business I didn't when I started I was like it's just me but um it allows it is a point that you can scale from you can always bring other people on board you can always make it bigger um and I do think this it just adds a little bit more gravitas than something that is just your name Yeah, I agree. I think that there's arguments both for and against. And this is something that I have worked through from a brand strategy point of view with clients in the past where it's, do you use your name? Do you use um, a separate entity? And for me, I think similar to you, although I saw myself as a freelancer, one, I love naming things. So it was kind Mm. of a no brainer that I wanted to call my business something cool. Um, I think it's cool. Therefore it is fight me it's got Um, cats in it I'm I'm totally down (laughs) (laughs) but also from that point of view I wanted it to have the potential 
that it could be anything in the future. Like when I started out, it was just me. And I would have days of big dreams where I'm like, I'm going to have this creative agency that I'm going to be, you know, eventually get to the point where I'm hands off and can work on something else. Or I'd go back around to, no, I just want it to be me. And that name gave me the flexibility as my goals and my understanding as a business owner, like, because I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Going from that employee to a freelancer mindset to a business owner mindset in quite a short amount of time, in like a year and a half before I really settled with what I wanted, that first year and 18 months in your business is kind of pivotal because you go through so many changes. You mm. don't know what your big picture is going to look like because it will, it will grow and shrink by the day, depending on what's happening, how you're feeling, what other influences are going on. Um, having your name, I think can be restricting because it does limit certain opportunities. But then again, if you grow as personal brand using that name, then that name kind of becomes synonymous with what it is that you serve. So there are people like Jenna Kutcher or Mm. Tom Ross is one that I adore. So how their names are now their brands but they can still be slightly away from it and still have a team. But then I know people who have gone from having a name and changing it to a business name. So yeah, I'm not saying either way is right or wrong, but I think that it does help if you have a vague idea of what your expectations are in the future. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I think you've got to, exactly like you said, you've got to give yourself space to dream. Yeah. And you might not feel like you're in a dreamy place right now or you can even envisage it being anything bigger than just you. Mm. But if you name it in a way that gives you space, you'll always have that. Like even if it is just you, it uh, giving it a brand name is never going to be restrictive, yeah. but it kind of could be the other way around. So, yeah, mm. I think it's just giving yourself the space to dream, even if you don't feel like dreaming right now (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it because there are certain industries where I see that it does tend to lean to their specific name so particularly the one off the top of my head that I can think of is mostly um photography so photography businesses very often it is an individual who is running that business and it is their skill set um I mean there are other influences like as women there may be the chance you're well I suppose with guys as well there is always yeah. a chance that your name could change at some point. Um, and, you know, more traditionally that does happen with women, but I think that it is something to consider is, do you want to keep, are you going to keep your own name, you know, let alone your business name? And then yeah. how does that feed in? So with photographers, because it's you delivering a unique service that you provide, like eventually you could have a team of other photographers that would go out, but then that's where you need to make the decision of, do you differentiate yourself from the rest of that brand or Mm. do you kind of rebrand and make it a bigger thing? And that's, that's kind of one of the key things that I do want to stress is like, whatever you decide, you can always change later. That's fine. It's not like you make a decision and then you're stuck with it. There are certain things that you would need to account for but if you do a good rebrand with the support and the marketing and everything else to support you through that at any stage, like you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think people can be, uh, can look at the idea of rebranding and be really scared and actually like, it doesn't have to be scary. Even if you're a limited company, you can just trade under a different name. Yeah. Um, there, it doesn't have to be, a big arduous thing Mm. and the great thing about um things like social media I did this when I changed my surname is I changed it on socials and other places um before I changed it by deed poll um just to try it out to see how people reacted and the great thing as a business is you can try something else out before Mm. you commit to it like you're not beholden um and yeah, I suppose that is also an argument for buying a generic domain name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is funny though, because I, I and exactly what you said about trading names when you're a limited company, because 
where I'm going through this evolution within my business. And I'm sure that you can relate to a certain degree as well with everything else that's going on in your world. Um, having the option of having trading names has actually been a godsend because it means that Mm. I can now diversify the services that I'm wanting to split into different focuses. I can give them different trading names so that it is still clear for my audience who that's for. Yeah. It's clear for me what that section is for. Um, but equally it doesn't feel like it's impacting my brand because it's become an extension rather than a replacement. So I guess if you wanted to set it up under your personal name and then you find later on that's no longer serving you, um, you could always have a trading name so that you could have your services as kind of your primary focus, but you could have a trading name where you have like an agency style around it and that would work too. Yeah. I mean, just look at B&Q. Their website is DIY.com. Yeah. So they're able to change their name whenever they want and they're never going to lose their web traffic. But DIY.com, that is literally the point of their existence, but it means they can do whatever they like with their brand. Like, I think that's quite clever. Yeah. And fun fact, because I used to work at B&Q, B&Q stands for Block and Quail, which are the two surnames of the people who founded it. Oh, I've always wondered. There you go. Answered a question that I never knew I needed answering. Yeah, there you go. There's a there's a holler back to my initial <laughs> interview at being q and trying to research all of the facts that I could. Awesome. <laughs> um cool. Okay. So I think that that's kind of summed up like the the initial stage of what do you want to call yourself? And to be honest, call yourself what you want. I think that if you're setting yourself up to be a long-term business and it is a business then absolutely focus on the fact that you are a business owner embrace that glorious title yeah know that this is yours okay if you want to do freelancing or contracting totally fine refer to yourself as that but I think generally speaking both freelancers and contractors can be business owners that work on a freelance and contract basis so give yourself that power if that's something that you can resonate with um, cool. So stage two, <laughs> stage two, these are just, so these stages are just kind of how I have found these naming quandaries kind of occur. <laughs> I like the word quandary. It doesn't get used. Good often one. Thanks. Thanks. I'll add it into my word of the day. Mm. Um, yeah. So stage two is how do you refer to yourself and your audience? So when I'm talking about this, this is more there are so many different words out there, which is like, are you a small business owner? Are you an SME, which is a small medium enterprise? Mm, I think so. Um, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a solopreneur? Are you an independent business owner? Kind of, there are so many different descriptors that then are like the next level down, I guess, from the yeah. naming convention. So, Starting off with yourself, Siobhan, what do you refer to yourself and your audience as? That's a really good question. I tend to I tend to stick with small business owners. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, way back when the thought of referring to myself as an entrepreneur was laughable. Like I, I did not. I did not feel entrepreneurial at all. But now I think, you know, you look up the definition and you're like, hmm, yeah, that could be me. Um, Like solopreneur and mumpreneur, like I just feel it's a bit, (laughs) it's starting to feel a bit, but I think it's, you know, I suppose if anything, like I would identify with solopreneur and a word like that, like it does um, speak to the fact that a lot of us are doing this by ourselves and we can feel alone in it and, you know, all the rest of it. Mm. But I think I tend to pick up on the language that my clients and prospects and my audience are using and small business owners seems to be the thing that that they identify with and therefore so do I. It um, I was using SMEs, but that wasn't really right. 
And also, I think I've used different things at different times when I've been trying to work out who it is that I work best with, because that's not an overnight process. That takes time. Um, (laughs) But also, I think it, for me, it can be dangerous because, like, I would never refer to myself as a mumpreneur because it's not the, although I went into business to, have a different lifestyle that allowed me to spend more time with my kids it's not I don't identify with a lot of those groups of people Mm. because I feel like it's not the only thing that defines me yeah and it's not the key thing that defines my business I think a lot of people on mat leave will be like I don't want to go back to work I want to do something different and there's lots of stuff targeted at here's a business that you can run alongside your kids. Whereas, I don't know, I feel like my journey was different. So yeah, I think there's a danger in some words that they can make, they can define you in too small a way. But I think small business owner for me is like a nice open term. And I think that's why a lot of people I know heavily identify with it. What about you? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, like you, I've kind of gone through stages as my business has developed. And at one point, yeah, the term entrepreneur, just, oh my goodness, though, that's (laughs) hilarious. Um, Given the fact that, you know, I never really saw myself as a business owner until I was quite a long way through running a business. Um, It's quite, yeah, I think that it's just something that you kind of with all of this, I think that you find your boundaries and you find your comfort zone. And then as you leave that behind, you find the next stage of what you want to call yourself. Mm. So I tend to go with small business. I did use SME for a while only because it was a shorter character count for LinkedIn. Um, (laughs) and it would fit into my headline. Um, but Yeah. And when it comes to my audience, I tend to use a mix between small business and entrepreneur because there are a lot of my clients that I work with come to me as small business owners, but they have dreams of being entrepreneurs, like calling themselves entrepreneurs in their own kind Mm. of, um, what's their word, their own definition. So they'll see themselves in one way, they're wanting to move to their next level, which they define as having a different term. So I try and use a combination of the two. I tend to use small business as my blanket term and then entrepreneur when it's more of an aspirational piece of content. But generally speaking, like I've tried, I've tried on the different ones like solopreneur and fempreneur and, you know, all of the wonderful hashtags that are like girl boss and (laughs) all of these things. And for me, they don't fit. Like they feel like it's, it just feels like clothing that doesn't fit you right. It just, Mm. it doesn't feel like me. It's the wrong kind of shoes for me. Um, And that's not to say that it's wrong. It's just, I don't relate with it. And if I don't relate to it, then it's going to feel, again, we're going back to passing the ick. If I feel a little bit gross about saying it, it's never going to come across naturally to my audience. Mm -hmm. And for me, solopreneur, I find a little bit of a weird one because I always, my perception is that an entrepreneur is a solo business owner. So solopreneur is just kind of bastardizing a word that means a solo business owner. It's probably Um, a tautology, isn't it? Yeah, it's just odd. And I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I still use things in my hashtags. I would say strategy, but (laughs) very loose use of the word strategy when it comes to hashtags at the moment um because it does help you get that reach and I feel like there are others out there where there are just so many different terms and you're like what do I who do I relate with as well as what do I relate to and like Mm -hmm. I get the whole mumpreneur or mompreneur depending on whether you're UK or the states or wherever else but like you said I feel like you're almost doing yourself a disservice, in my opinion, because if you're a small business owner, you're a small business owner. If you want to relate to the term, um, if you align to the term mumpreneur, because it fits, that's your driving force behind having the business. Absolutely. That I completely understand. But, you know, any business owner, and I think that because I struggled for a long time with calling myself a business owner, even though I desperately wanted to be one, I just didn't have the confidence to step into that. 
Mm. I worry, no, not worry. I wonder how many people are using it because they don't want to embrace the term small business owner because it comes with quite a bit of like bravado to say that you're a business owner. Does that make yeah. sense? But then I guess that comes down to how you see a business mm. like and that's I think it's quite a personal journey it I mean as soon as you have a client giving you money to do work you are running a business yeah that's probably the technical definition but I think there's a whole bunch of other stuff and everyone will have a minimum amount of stuff in their head that they feel like now I own a business. I think for me, I I couldn't say what it was. I was actually thinking about this earlier. Like at what point did I, I was thinking about imposter syndrome, right? Like Mm -hmm. how much I struggled with that when I started, why would someone pay me me money to do stuff for them? Why would that even happen? (laughs) Which is bizarre because generally most people were employed up until the point. I know, I know. <laughs> but it is it is scary going out on your own. Oh, and I was like, yeah. I, had, I had all the imposter syndrome. I had, you know, like, I remember just random people I made connections with being like, yeah, you should definitely start your own business. And me being like, what? I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> uh, and then at some point I was thinking to myself, at what point did my imposter disappear? Like, Yes, I have it every now and then, but it's just not really a factor in my day anymore. Mm. And I'm in this place where I suppose I'm approaching it like quite playfully. Like, does this work? No. Okay. Throw it away or improve it. I'm not, I'm not so emotionally invested in my, in what I put out there. I don't know. There's a weird separation thing that's happened. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, I don't think I could pinpoint that. I think it's just at some point I started to, like you said, step into, I suppose maybe it's thinking, could some, if I died, could, is this sellable? Is this something I could sell? Does it have enough, does it have enough intellectual property and a following? You know, is this something I could start to teach someone else to do? Could I bring on a team member? I think it's probably questions like that. Like, have I built something that actually in some way could it survive without me? Then I think then I'm able to, I was able to look at it and go, yes, that's a business. I think for me, yeah, it was starting to play around with the idea of could I bring someone on? Yeah. Um, Could I have enough automated stuff I was selling that could just sell without me being there? I think for me like I find that really interesting because like I consider whether my business could run without me and it's a really difficult thing because and this is I think this is a whole other conversation because we could talk for about an hour or more about how building a personal brand (laughs) carries its own weight with it but for me the moment that I think I kind of embraced the fact that I was running a business it came from my perception of time within my business so for me, when I first started out, it was, um, will I get anyone to work with me? So it's like that first client, you're only looking at the immediate present. And then the longer that you're in business, I think the longer you look ahead and the more that you look ahead and the more that you're planning for the future, the more you're embracing that actually this is what you're going to be doing. It's not a stopgap. Mm. And I think that for me, when I made that connection that actually, because I made this connection when I was still in full-time employment as well, it was right. Okay. This is what I want to be doing as my job. This is what I want my everyday to be. Um, And then taking that step. And it's like every step that you take towards making like building your future around your business, like your business is facilitating your future. Mm-hmm. I think that for me was kind of the key turning point where I'm like, I could live the life that I want to live and my business could facilitate that better than an employed job could. Yeah. But it's quite a weird thing to try and contextualize like when did you realize that you're actually a business owner because it's not like you wake up one day and all of a sudden yeah. there's a falling from the ceiling and <laughs> fanfares around you it's like I'm a business owner a barbershop quarter outside <laughs> <laughs> congratulations <laughs> you are a business owner 
I think. Um, and it's Shame, not- though. Shame that oh, that no. doesn't happen. It, maybe that should be a new business that we start <laughs> where we send out barbershop quartets for people who are starting new businesses. Like, I'm down with that. Hopefully in full-time, where it's like, oh my goodness, you could hire them the day you hand in your notice. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, that would be a delight. <laughs> what were we and talking t- about? Names. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um no when we became yeah so when we became when we realized that we're business owners and I think there are like formal things like when you register with company's house or when you become limited or when you pay your first tax bill what a beautiful day that Mm. was um and when you get your first client and when you consider that very first spark where you're like I could hire someone to help me with this yeah like all of these are magical moments within your business where I think that for me, they just kept reaffirming the fact that I'm not a freelancer. I'm not just trying this out. This yeah. is what I have chosen to do. Yeah. When you spend money, when you spend money that you've earned, I think like having a, for me, I set up a business bank account really early and I think that was yeah. really important. And that money that I'd earned sat there and I spent some of it back on my business I didn't give it to myself I think that like yeah that's one of those little moments like yeah. registering as a limited company and stuff where you kind of go oh I'm really taking this seriously yeah I um I didn't set up a business account as early as I probably should have because uh, I didn't have that kind of again like I started my business because we were desperate to buy a house so I was like right if I do freelance work for five years we might have enough for a deposit whereas actually my business funded our house deposit for the most part within a year. Wow. Um, and then it was only at that point where all of that money went, it was a, it was an expensive day when all of that money went to the house deposit that I was like, Oh, okay. So what's next? What's my next goal? Because my goal had been this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I achieved that and I'm like, Oh, okay. So what, what could I achieve next? And that was at the point where I'm like, right, I'm going to treat this now now I understand the power that this could have for me. Yeah. The empowerment it could have for me. Then I got my business bank account. I would recommend listeners getting a business bank account very early. Hell and yeah. 30% of everything that comes in, do your tax, read the book Profit First, because honestly, it's amazing. Um, what else can I advise when it comes to finances? Go and check out Alice Benham. Her breakdowns of finances on YouTube are brilliant. What did you say? get an accountant get an accountant (laughs) it feels like a crazy investment it feels grown up and scary it feels like why am I spending this money but they a good accountant is they are worth their weight in gold absolutely mine mine is on a subscription basis I'm with Diverso Mm -hmm. and they like we will get you back we'll pay for ourselves Mm -hmm. uh in what we get you back or yeah. you know how we're able to do your tax returns and um yeah they've already done that like twice over so, so I um I use Kev at the bookkeeping team like the whole team are just absolutely brilliant and I mean one when your accountant can sit there and share stories about Lego and dinosaurs like I know that I found the one for me <laughs> but also the amount of times that he has helped me when it comes to understanding finances understanding profit and loss understanding how to kind of project and this year alone has just been invaluable for that kind of reassurance of this is what we could do this is how it could benefit you and let alone the whole sorting out my tax for me because oh, my- yeah. <laughs> um, it was the best expense it was the first expense I think I actually set out as a monthly payment. And honestly, it's, yeah, like you said, it's absolutely worth it. He was less, he was half the price of my mobile phone bill each month. And I'm like, this is a better investment. Like I can <laughs> cut my contract and I'm good. <laughs> um, just bringing it back around, because this is talking about naming. I know that we've kind of gone off on a tangent, but you are welcome, listeners. Um <laughs> One thing that I just wanted to touch on 
when it comes to things like mumpreneur and solopreneur and fempreneur and everything like that, the one big benefit that I would say that does come along with those words and terms, whether they're trendy or whether they are kind of long lasting, is that there is a definite sense of community around them. Mm particularly on Facebook, I would say. Um, So Facebook is not my favorite platform to hang out on as a whole. I love groups, but I find that as a whole, it's quite overwhelming. But it is being better and better for community building. And if you do um, resonate or relate to the term kind of mumpreneur or solopreneur, girl boss, whatever it is that you're looking for, um, I do feel that it is easier to find communities with a kind of similar sense of alignment by using those kind of terms whereas small business owner is such a broad term yeah it's very true yeah and that like independent business and indie business and stuff it's you get the same you do get the same vibe I remember um the typeface group uh set up the indie winch challenge last year the indie way challenge last year and I remember being like I can't possibly take part I'm not an independent business I'm because I'm thinking about like retail and hospitality and product-based stuff and then uh and then I saw one of their posts and it was like product-based or service-based and I was like oh hang on I am a service (laughs) of course I can do this and also the whole point of this is it's supposed to be a community building thing that's inclusive and you know but yeah that was one of those little moments where you I think you do you reach those little moments where you fill out a form or you see something you can sign up to and it defines you in a particular way and you go oh like you said, I don't know if those shoes fit or not, but I think the key thing is to feel the fear and do it anyway. And if it doesn't fit, at least you've tried it. I think you've got to try on lots, to continue your metaphor, you've got to try on lots of different pairs of shoes to, to work out which ones fit. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that that segues beautifully mm. onto the third section, which is what do you specifically call yourself? Now, <laughs> My business has been up and running for over three years now, and I have gone through many different iterations. And with the shoes, I have tried on many different types of shoes, and they have all fit mostly for a certain amount of time. Now, I'm not saying that I've chopped and changed frequently, but I have gone from being a generalist designer because, you know, I wanted to work on anything and everything, as is often one of the pitfalls and and one of the things that we fall into when we start out our businesses, um, to then niching down to being a brand designer, to then realizing my value as a strategist and changing into that. And now where my business is evolving again, which kind of helped kickstart these kind of conversations, is I've had a big back and forth with Siobhan as much as anyone else where do I refer to myself now in my next evolution of my business as am I a strategist? Am I a coach? Am I a consultant? Um, And it's been a really interesting journey to try and work out what I align to, what my perception of different titles feels like for me and what they will feel like from me to my audience. So very quickly for a bit of context, I'm currently in the process of stepping away from doing brand design and moving more into a, what I've now determined is a consultancy business. Um, And there has been a huge amount of stuff that has gone on within that because originally I wanted to call myself a coach, but it never quite sat right. Because for me, my perception is that coaching is an industry that One, you can be qualified as a coach. I know you can be qualified as a consultant as well, but I think that it's a broader term. But also coaching for me as an individual, I always saw it more as guidance and support, whereas I, what I offer is a lot more, um, it's guidance and support, but like strategic and like actionable as well. And how have you found trying to settle on the specific title that you've decided for your business, Siobhan? Uh, similar to you. Yeah, definitely worn lots of pairs of shoes for the period of time that they seem to fit and then reached a point where I went, "Mm, no. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I remember way back when, um, 
when you did my business cards for me. Yeah. Um, you were like, what title do I put? And I remember thinking, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I was so unsure at the time, like what I was really going to do for people. So I went with something generic. So mm. I went with marketing consultant. I felt like it gave me, I felt like it gave me freedom to yeah. figure stuff out. And then um, I think I compared myself too much to other marketing consultants in the local area and then felt like, oh, it wasn't really describing me well enough. Mm. And because I was essentially contracting when I started out, I started to call myself a freelance marketing manager because it encapsulated what I could do for people. I wasn't just consulting, I was also doing for them. Mm. And then over time, obviously my business evolved and then I realized that the value I could really give people was in the strategic thinking I probably was quite an expensive doer and there are plenty of other people that can do the doing um and I realized that yeah the the strategy piece was the bit that people really needed and wanted from me so then I became a marketing strategist Mm -hmm. and then this year has given birth to the mentoring program which has been an absolute bugger to name because it is the program but it does so many different things and it's different for every person so there's a bit of coaching in there there's a bit of mentoring there's practical advice like you said it does the whole thing from strategy to how to actually implement stuff yeah but the idea is to facilitate the other person going away and doing those things Mm. not me doing them so I've called it a mentoring program and like you, I, I toyed around with the idea of coach, but it never really sat right with me. Mm. Um, I think my perception of coaches is that they are there to facilitate you getting to the answer to a big question yourself, yeah. but they're not then there to show you what to do with that, which is what you and I do. We yeah. facilitate getting the answers and then we go, right, now we've got those answers. Here's some ways that you can actually put those into practice. And I think that is the essence of why it's so hard for people like you and I to put a short label on what we do because we do a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. And like a lot of the beats that you said in there are exactly where it's come from me as well, from my side of things, because it's also... And this is the bit that I'd love to talk about and hear your thoughts on as well, because it's also from a messaging point of view, you need to make sure it hits with your audience. So I yeah. tried on the shoes of a strategist, but I found that I had a lot of blank stares or not as much connection because that word strategist means it means something very specific to me. And I resonate with that, but my audience don't necessarily. My audience who are in that space where they're feeling overwhelmed and confused and they don't know what they need, a strategist sounds like something that's way away from where they are. Mm -hmm. So I tried on that and it didn't quite fit right for others, even though it was okay for me, a bit too garish. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then coach fit the bill for a while because it felt like I was helping people find the answers. But to be honest, I do so much, like you've said, I do so much with helping them with, okay, let's find the answers that are right for you, but then let's actually do something about them. That that's where the strategy side comes in and the implementation that it was a light bulb moment that I literally had one morning over a cup of tea that sent you a voice note. And it's like, what do we think about consultant? And mm. it's not a term that I had tried on before, but actually it fits it feels right for me. But then I had the extra layer of, I focus very much on branding and I focus very much on personal branding, but my audience may not necessarily relate to that. So I have incorporated marketing because I do support my clients with their marketing, but I do it through their brand. But marketing is what appeals to them because they're Mm -hmm. not going to sit there and go, I've got an issue with my personal brand they're going to say, I've got an issue with my marketing. And then it's trying to find the solution, which generally is within your branding from my point of view, 
that's where mm-hmm. I specialize. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a roller coaster, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and maybe there is something you said in there made me think that maybe the key is to make your term like if you offer lots of different things in different ways for different people, like I do do some doing, but only for my clients once I've worked with them through the strategy. Mm-hmm. So maybe the the answer to all of this is to keep your um, title, like how you refer to yourself as generic as possible. And then it is exactly like you said, it's in the messaging to go, this service involves some coaching, some practical advice, some done for you you know like maybe in your services is an opportunity to use some of those other more specific terms but mm-hmm. to keep your and I think that's why you're on LinkedIn you see a lot of like marketing gurus and branding genies and all of these yeah. other things and I see what people are trying to do I see that they're trying to Maven is another one. <laughs> oh, Maven just dropped out of nowhere Lots of marketing mavens going yeah. on. I think it's just because um, a nice bit of alliteration goes along. Yeah, way. <laughs> I, I love a bit of alliteration. I'm not going to lie. I also um, like word alliteration just to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there is something in that that like I see what people are trying to do, but I just to me it comes off my reaction to that is just it comes off a bit gimmicky and people do like. A lot of people, my clients will will say to me, you're my marketing guru or I'm coming to you because you're my marketing guru. And that's lovely. It's a huge compliment. But for me, it just wouldn't sit right to use that externally to people that I don't know. So, and it is, it's so hard because what you're calling yourself has to speak to all the hot, warm and cold bits of your audience. And it's got to... Um, be something that makes sense to people when you go to networking or you meet someone in a cafe or you go on a date like it that's why it's so hard it's because it's the smallest amount of words that's got to do the biggest job yeah absolutely and I think touching on what you said as well around the gimmick side of like I did that a lot when I was first starting out so I my job title for a long old time when I started out was chief tea drinker and designer (laughs) Because I was like, what do I do most? Drink tea and design. Um, and that that suited me at the time. <laughs> and it worked well for me because it injected that personality that I wanted to have. At the time, my business was, I don't want to say it was less serious. It's always been a serious part for me. But it was more jovial because, I don't know, I wasn't relying on it because I had that full-time income. So I'm like, I can take the liberty of having those conversations to explain what I do. Mm. Whereas now it's more important for my clients to understand or or my audience or whoever to understand quickly what it is and who I do it for. But absolutely what you said, like what I do, like your title can only define so much. Mm. Um, And if my title makes people say, oh, marketing I know that word that's something that I struggle with if warm cold hot whatever it's great that there's a connection there to go yes that's something that I know that I need within my business and then the next level would be um, either how you describe your services and it's like that's the service that's the way I like to work that's that suits me or whether you go down the route of making sure that your messaging is hitting those emotional beats, which is what I'm doing, where it's like the keywords that I'm not trying not trying to encourage at all. But the keywords that I will be using within my messaging is like the feeling of overwhelm and frustration. Because generally frustration implies that you're trying to get somewhere. And I'm very goal-focused with my clients and within myself. So it's kind of helping me identify the people that I want to work with and helping them identify themselves within the offers that I have. Mm-hmm. But your title alone cannot do that. But you stand a higher chance if your title is more descriptive than chief tea drinker and then having people say, what kind of tea do you sell? And I'm like, none. <laughs> I think mine would have to be chief swearer. Like yeah. that would be my... 
that is something I achieve highly on a daily basis. <laughs> I always joke with my mum because my mum always used to say the term like you can turn the air blue when you're swearing. And it's like, that's why it's a brand colour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stealing that. <laughs> is that why you chose blue for me? <laughs> well, look, I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> it's on record. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting though um, when it comes to like the gimmick side. And then, I mean, LinkedIn, I think is probably the place that people refer to headlines the most. Like mm. on Instagram, it's it's really tricky because you've got such a short amount on your bio and the same with LinkedIn. So you need to try and communicate who you're for, what you do and how you do it. Um, and the rebel in me is just like, you know what, I just, <laughs> I just want to spark interest so they'll look more. Yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think it comes back to that, like I use a really simple messaging framework, which is um, you, them and solutions. And what people tend to talk about in most of their messaging is the solutions. So they talk about the nuts and bolts and what they do because they're passionate about it and they love it. Like I've also been as well. Yeah, I've also been guilty of this. It's the whole features versus benefits thing. Mm. And I think the great thing about the LinkedIn headline is it gives you a chance to just uh, talk about the benefits, to just message like, here's the transform. If you are this person, here's the transformation you might get from me. And then actually, exactly like you said, then the aim with that is to spark some interest and then you can tell them how you do it later on. I think we all worry too much about the details of how we do things. Yeah. But it's it's not it's not what and it's not what our clients care about. You know, like mm. when you go onto Amazon and order a bottle of gin, like they don't then proceed to tell you how how their fulfillment centers work. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I just need to know the gin's gonna be here at, you know, midday tomorrow. At Ten o'clock. Don't this care. <laughs> don't care how you do it. So I think it like there's a real thing about shifting the how to the why. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh I don't think there's a um I don't think there's a black and white answer to any of this stuff. And I do think, but I do think the great thing about social media and online networking these days and all of these things is you've got an opportunity to ask. You've got an opportunity to throw things out there and also to test them. I mean, you could change your LinkedIn headline every week if you wanted to and mm-hmm. see what got the best response. You can do polls on social media. I did it a while ago. I was like, I just asked on Instagram to my followers, what does what does coaching mean to you? And I got some really interesting responses from coaches that really helped me better understand how they saw themselves and how other people saw them. And I was like, okay, that makes my mind up for me that I am not in that space. Yeah. Um, sometimes it, sometimes it's only a process of elimination that can really help you. Yeah, It's finding out the shoes that don't fit that help you find out the ones that do. Absolutely. And I think it's also discovering new terms that maybe you had that weren't on your radar, which is what happened Mm. for me with consultant. And I can't even tell you where that word came from. I'm assuming that it was flung at me at some point during a day where it was like, I don't have a pivotal moment where I'm like, consultant seems to be a word I should try on. It was just, it was a word that that came into my brain and was like, Hey, try this. And it's like, okay, cool. Thanks brain. Um, it wasn't something that I had sat there planning on changing away. I felt quite happy with coach, but until something new and different came along that sparked that actually does this fit me as well as I think that it did. Um, and I think like the key point that I want to make with all of this in this episode is one, it's never too late to change. If you make up your mind and then decide in a week's time that actually that doesn't work, change it. It's cool. Mm -hmm. No worries. No one is going to sit there and go, what do you do? You know, it's fine. Try things on, see how it fits, see how you feel and see how your audience responds. Because I think both those things are key. It needs to work for you, but it needs to work for them as well. And remember that your title doesn't define who you are or what you do or how well you do it. Like your title is literally a way of articulating in a clear, short phrase what it is that you do in essence so that people kind of know whether they're coming to you for a vegan leather handbag 
or a house cleaning service. You know, you need to have some form of context in there because that's all it's doing. It's giving context to your name in kind of the business world. Would you say that that's fair? Yeah. And you're also making me think that uh, do we worry and stress and agonize over this more as small business owners because we are so trained to do that from corporate life? Probably. Like your job title was everything in corporate life. Your job title defined where you where you were on the pecking order in corporate yeah. life. And Whereas actually, now I'm a director, which I never thought was ever going to happen. Like I could go with director, CEO, yeah. founder, yeah. all yeah. those things. And they're fun to try on. Don't get me wrong. And yes, I do swing out the term director whenever I feel a little bit sassy with the other half. But it doesn't mean that that's something that I'm going to feel comfortable with every day. I'm not going to introduce myself as uh, Tammy Heels, director of Shadowcat Creative Limited. <laughs> Because one, it doesn't give you any context what that is. And two, it just feels weird. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point is exactly that is is you 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 assign the meaning that it has yeah. and actually you it isn't something you need to agonize and stress over quite so much. You it's important to realize how much of that is a hangover from previous life yeah. I remember when I started at Amazon um them being like your job title will be account manager and I was like uh no it won't because <laughs> I'm like I've worked my ass off to become an account director that and they're like this isn't a demotion this is Amazon <laughs> get but with the, the program and, and my boss my about to be boss was like look you can call yourself whatever the hell you like as soon as you get in the door it won't matter at all mm-hmm. and it didn't yeah. Um, but I think it coming out, yeah. You're actually making me think throughout this whole discussion, like, am I just drawing myself a giant circle and I'm gonna end up coming back to being a marketing consultant? Like okay. actually okay. is that the thing that I think <laughs> defines me the best? And yeah. and ultimately I was just too scared to wear that mm. title when I started. It didn't sit right because I I had that whole slice of imposter syndrome. So yeah. Thanks. Maybe you've answered my question. You're quite welcome. I'm glad that we were all here to to go along this journey with you. But I do feel that it is something like we talk a lot or there is a lot of talk, particularly in kind of the circles and the places that I hang out online, podcasts. I don't actually go anywhere. I'm just sat at home in different places. But um, there's a lot of talk around kind of the seasons of your business and the fact that your business continuously evolves. But I don't think I've had too many conversations around how that actually impacts kind of how you define yourself almost. And I think one of the key things that you hit on there when you were talking about in the corporate world is the perception in the corporate world felt so much more scrutinizing. Mm. Like everything held so much more weight, like your job title held weight because that was where you were on the hierarchy or that's how you decided whether you were going to speak to someone in a certain way or not, whether you were going to swear in front of someone or not, whatever (laughs) it was, whether you were going to invite them out for a beer after work. Like there was definitely a lot more weight attached to the words. Whereas now, you know, we've started these businesses to break away from that corporate world. And if you want to have some fun and you want to try on different titles and you want to see how they fit, then go ahead, give them a go, try them on for size. There's no reason why you have to say it once and then stick with it. No one's going to sit there and judge you because you were called a coach last week and now you're a consultant this week, Tammy, can you not make up your mind? Like, you know, be a wizard. If you want to be a wizard, be a wizard. Absolutely. Like embrace whatever it is that you want to do, because at the end of the day, if you're supplying those transformations and you're making a difference in people's worlds and you're making an impact with your business, which I think is what most small businesses are trying to do, they're not really going to care what you call yourself. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's 100%. More clarity rather than definition, I think. Oh, that is exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, please do. That is exactly it. It is about, it's another form of communication. 
it's communicating it's not defining who you are that is spot on I've been toying with the idea like I think my dream for next year is actually just to be known as that messaging girl like I really want to focus in on helping people with messaging it aligns with my my whole other dream of becoming a writer um and really just immersing myself in words And I think that's the best application of my strategic thinking and my creativity together. Um, I'd love to have business cards printed with just that messaging girl. But then I have a problem with the fact that I'm 40 next year and I'm like, can I really refer to myself as a girl? Like that messaging lady? No. (laughs) She don't sound so good. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Look, I'm all down for you calling yourself that messaging girl. I think that that's fine. Um, I think that that's a really interesting thing as well. And it's like, it's just, it's the next stage that I hadn't actually considered for this episode, but it is important because, so I'm in the process of having a second business set up to help facilitate the changes that I'm making within Shadowcat. And I've been trying to work out how I define myself in both businesses when actually what I realized in the most convenient time when you stood in the shower at God knows what time in the morning was that I want to be known for personal brand and I want to educate people so they understand that the issues they're having with marketing may be because of their personal brand. So I want to be the personal brand girl. Hmm, not sure about girl. It's just like the difference between bat girl and bat woman. It's like, which one... Anyway, um, but I want to be known about personal branding. So even though both my businesses are going to have different audiences and one's going to be very focused on a different um, role for me in a certain way, I want to be known for personal brand across both of those and Mm -hmm. having that definition and knowing that I myself am almost like a side entity to my business, which kind of brings us back around to where we were at the beginning which is beautiful. I love a little bit of a circular conversation, but it is almost like my personal brand is me, Tammy, the business owner, director, consultant, whatever I want to call myself, tea drinker. Um, that can be clear and defined, whatever that business is that I decide, however my businesses evolve and grow in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think listeners in a roundabout way, we're saying, choose what you want. <laughs> that aligns with how you feel feel free to change it if you need to and you feel like it's not working for you anymore and you know find your communities through the names and find your clients through your messaging I think that those are kind of the key beats is there anything else you want to add to that at all yeah and I'd also say like don't be scared of the mold I think it's made this conversation's helped me to realize that like I was scared of the mold of consultant you know I didn't feel like it fit but actually it is what you want it to be and if it ain't broke don't fix it you know like if you're a personal trainer and people understand what a personal trainer is you don't need to call yourself a gym bunny buddy like you don't need to come up with something new um it like if there's something out there that works use it because yeah. it's not like you said it's there for clarity it's not there for definition yeah it's not pigeonholing you by using a term that other people use and it's not putting you into the ring to fight with a bunch of others that use the same term as you just because you're using the same like that whole yeah. comparison piece is a whole other conversation but just because you share a title doesn't mean that you like we're all individuals, we share different values and different whys and different purposes and different ways of doing it. So yeah, embrace what, you know, try it out, embrace what works for you. Um, And I'd love to know what you guys think. I think for me, if there was one practical task they could take away today would be maybe just to sit and think about what you actually refer to yourself as and try on a few different titles if you're feeling that the one that you have at the moment isn't sticking for you or even ask your audience ask your audience definitely yeah yeah so how did you how was it that you asked your audience about the coaching thing uh I posted about it I actually did a feed post on Instagram um and I think I message some people directly but yeah like a little poll in stories or a poll on LinkedIn or the next time you go to networking just throw a question out there um 
an, a survey for your email audience, yeah. like anywhere where you've got an opportunity to get direct responses. Mm-hmm. Um, people love to feel like their opinion is valued and being listened to and they will people love to tell you what they think so yeah ask the audience is a (laughs) yeah yeah like I think ask the audience is a if you've got people out there listening like poll them for their thoughts 100% yeah I agree I think that opinion piece is a great one and getting your audience involved as well will give you a bit of insight into how they perceive you Mm -hmm. because again it's all about making sure that it's clear for them and clear for you so I think we'll just wrap it up there um where can the listeners find you where can they find more of your glorious face and voice Siobhan um well they can treat themselves uh to my Instagram page if they would like to which is uh reveal marketing UK uh which is yeah my a bit of my face and then a few just general hints and tips and responding to things that people are saying to me uh, regularly so yeah just a place to find some help uh, in amongst all the noise and obviously my website revealmarketinguk.com perfect I will pop all of the links in the show notes of course so thank you so much for joining me again today Siobhan I've had an absolute blast it's always a pleasure absolutely uh, but yeah, it's glad that I'm glad you wrapped it up. Otherwise, we probably would just talk for like three hours. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be on voice notes in like half an hour from now. Yeah. <laughs> something else. Um, if you would, listeners, like to hear more about Siobhan, you can check out episodes one and two of the Brand Lounge, where we discussed brand versus marketing. It is at the moment still, I believe, the most downloaded episode. Um, and in episode two Siobhan shared her brand story so if you want to hear a little bit more about how her business has evolved from Reveal Marketing then you can check out episode two I'll leave all of the links down in the show notes and I hope that you found this episode helpful and insightful and I'd really love to know your thoughts on this so come on over and join the community on either Instagram or Facebook and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and never miss out Um, And yeah, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday for a new episode of The Brown Lounge.